Welcome to another edition of Jumping Around, a steeplechase podcast from thisishorseracing.com. I'm your host, Joe Clancy, and if it's April, we're talking Maryland Hunt Cup. The oldest and most significant jump race in North America turns 125 years old this year and will no doubt provide another worthy canvas on the last Saturday in April. That's the 27th this year, so expect another big crowd of tailgaters, horses, horsemen, and history for the four-mile 22-fence test. To help with the history part, we sat down with Maryland Hunt Cup winners Buzz Hannum and Patty Nelson for a discussion on the great race and its impact. They won the race three times each and combined to ride in it 36 times. Buzz Hannum won on his first try in 1970 aboard Morning Mac. Owned and trained by his mother, Nancy Hannum, Morning Mac won again three years later. In 1976, Hannum and Hunt Cup great Fort Devon stormed to a 25-length win, still one of the race's best performances. Second in 1975, Fort Devon was sheer brilliance over timber, claiming two American championships and going on to even bigger things as an English chaser. A Pennsylvanian, Hannum obtained his connections to the Hunt Cup via his parents and simply kept it, through decades of participation as a rider and now a spectator. Patty Nelson grew up in Maryland, attended his first Hunt Cup as a child, and made his debut as a rider in 1958. He won it 10 years later aboard Half a Day and collected wins with Burn Mac in 1974 and Uncle Merlin in 1989. Nelson retired from riding in 1998 after a record 21 mounts in the Maryland Hunt Cup. With 22, Billy Meister now holds that record, but Nelson's participation over the course of 40 years will always be a measuring stick. Before we get started, this episode, and all of the episodes really, is made possible by support from the Temple Gwathmi Steeplechase Foundation. So thank you to that organization and its donors for supporting our efforts. We're at Patty Nelson's table on his Pennsylvania farm on a warm April afternoon. The conversations covered horses, people, history, and as usual, when old-time timber jockeys get together, plenty of banter. Welcome to another edition of Jumping Around. I'm Joe Clancy, and uh, we are joined today by Maryland Hunt Cup riding greats, Patty Nelson and Buzz Hannum. Thanks for joining us. We're going to go with Patty Nelson to uh, at least get the ball rolling here a little bit. Also, you hold the record for the most Maryland Hunt Cup rides in history. No, it was broken. Billy, Billy Meister's got, got you. All right. He got one on me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So no chance of a comeback or anything like that? No, no. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> we'll I would go, say yeah. the last four rides of both of us was something less than spectacular, I'll tell it, you that. It does give you new appreciation for uh, the Jervis Spencer and some of the guys way back when, oh, though, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Your association with the race is probably lifelong, though. So, you know, go all the way back. What's the first, Do you remember the first – what's your first memory of the Maryland Hunt Cup? My first memory of the Maryland Hunt Cup was 1952 when Mikey Smithwick won it with Pine Pep beating 51 or 52, beating Hugh O'Donovan on something, Captain Black. And it was raining like the Dickens. It had been raining all week. And uh, as they were splashing between the third and the fourth fence and the 13th and the 14th, and Mikey was, he must have been 100 lengths behind. And then he catches Hugh O'Donovan going to the water jump, which was underwater, practically underwater, and wins very comfortably. But the most memorable thing about that was my brother, who was, I guess he was six or seven years old, maybe eight, had decided to go home with Mrs. McLean, E.T. McLean's mother. And he didn't tell anybody that he was going home with (laughs) E.T. McLean's mother. So we... Pouring with rain, my mother and father going berserk looking for Cookie, and everybody wanted to know where Cookie was. And he was home with Mrs. McLean eating cookies and having a perfectly nice time. Smartest one of the whole bunch. Yeah, blissfully (laughs) unaware that he was causing just 
tremendous amount of consternation. But 1952, I think. It was 51 or 52. I think it was 52. And just for some context, it was 1952 when Patty Nelson was at the Maryland Hunt Cup and his brother was lost. Uh, The winner that year was Pine Pep with the great Mikey Smithwick aboard. And second was Captain Black with Hugh O'Donovan. And then your first ride wasn't that much longer, right? 58? 58, yep. And should have won that Maryland Hunt Cup. We had a great horse named Kokai who had won the Grand National the week before in course record time. And I managed to screw that poor horse up like you wouldn't believe. He ended up finishing third, but he was 25 lengths the best horse. Should have won it. Wow. But we really compromised his ability. <laughs> At least I did. But that's fine. Had a good day, and Philip gave him a good ride. And <laughs> I screwed up a one-car funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you had managed to go back and uh, win three eventually, which is something. And we're here. Uh, we're going to bring Buzz Hanneman into a little bit. You, you, unlike Patty, you did win your first one, right? Well, I was fortunate to ride a really good jumper, and I was also fortunate that Patty fell off at the fourth fence when his horse <laughs> refused. Uh, the going was really deep that day, and um, so the pace originally at the beginning of the race was very slow. And Island Stream, who Patty was riding. Um, just got tired of it and swerved, and Patty went over the fence without the assistance of Island Stream. And that was essentially it. Patty rejoined the race, and as we approached the sixth fence, I was right next to Russell Jones on Mrs. Valentine's horse and said, Russell, Patty's still in it. Russell said to me, he's not in it as much as you are. And as it turned out, Russell was right. But Morning Mac was a particularly good jumper, well-suited to a slow pace and the deep going, which really accentuated the horse's jumping ability. So I was very fortunate to have that ride. I, like Patty, uh, was not expert in all my Maryland Hunt Cup rides. The next ride was in 1971, was on a horse called Bradford Meeting, who other than Fort Devon was the best horse I ever rode. And I got him into places which were just unbelievable. He took out five rails uh, at individual fences, took out a rail five times at the fences. And uh, you can't get away with that at the Maryland Hunt Cup. And so he fell at the 17th. But that was entirely rider error. No, it wasn't. I didn't think it was rider error. I thought on paper you could make a pretty good case that was that seventy two? Seventy one. Seventy one, that's on paper the best Maryland Hunt Cup that's ever been run. With Landing Party, who was a previous winner of the Maryland Hunt Cup, winning in course record time. The horse that was second was half a day, that was the one I rode. He was a previous winner of the Maryland Hunt Cup nineteen sixty eight. And third was Morning Mac, written by Kevin Freeman. And he was a previous winner of the Maryland Hunt Cup. So all three horses, the first three home, were all previous winners of the Maryland Hunt Cup in course record time. And the thing that was most memorable was that was I kept hearing this crashing behind me. (laughs) (laughs) It was Buzzy Hannum on Bradford Meeting trying to keep up. And I mean, Buzzy's right. He was hitting every fence on the course. And he didn't fall to 17th. I think it was the 18th fence. But I looked back, and here was Buzzy with a big eating grin on his face. And I heard this unbelievable crash. And I said to myself, well, that'll take care of him. And I looked back, and it did take care of him. He was rolling into lush Worthington Farms grass. <laughs> and Patty talked about family connection, too. You're riding for your mother, but what's your earliest? Do you remember your first Maryland Hunt Cup? Uh, yeah, my father was 
active participant, rode in, I think, 49, 50, and 51 uh, on a horse called R. Hobo, who was a morning Mac-like horse, very good jumper, not particularly fast. And uh, he had some success, but unfortunately kept running into Pine Pep, which Mikey Smithick rode and was unable to overcome that significant obstacle. But the Maryland Hunt Cup was always something especially my mother, really was interested in being a participant in, not necessarily guaranteed to win, but wanted to be a part of it. And and so uh, I was fortunate to succeed to some good horses that she had. And I'm not sure whether you want me to go ahead, to, but most significantly in my riding career was Patty, who, with whom I was living, in an apartment in Unionville, introduced me to Betty Bird. I established a connection with her. Patty and I were scheduled to play golf one Saturday afternoon, and Betty wanted me to come over to school for Devin, who I had not ridden. Patty had done all the hard work with him. And we show up at Betty, who I love, world's nicest person, but you really couldn't rely on Betty to be on time. And so we showed up, and we, we wanted to play golf. And so Betty was fiddling around and, like, cleaning the tack or something like that. And we said, Betty, we got to get moving here. We're going to play golf. And she said, you keep going, and I'll get somebody else to ride the horse. And I said, well, maybe we don't have to play golf right away. <laughs> so I was fortunate enough to ride Fort Devon at Rolling Rock. I guess that was the fall of, what, 1973 or 74. But anyway, Patty rode a horse called Dewberg's Dare, who fell at the first fence and I think never again successfully overcame a fence in a horse race. And as a result of selecting that ride over Fort Devon, he lost the ride on Fort Devon, which was one of the best things for my riding career. Yeah, and one of the best American timber horses or steeplechasers well, ever, really. he started, really. Yeah. Uh, he was joint favorite for the Cheltenham Gold Cup. Yeah. Twice. Twice, yeah. yeah. And reading, doing a, a little reading horse. on him, I mean, there were people who thought he would have been better at Aintree. He might have been favored there, too, if he turned up, you know. Yeah. And uh, it just goes to show the—I mean, it's not all happenstance because you guys would have been guys Betty Bird would have turned to to ride. But to get a phone call or to get asked to ride horses like that mm -hmm. must have been what you live for, right? It's what you get up in the morning for. Exactly. And I, being kind of a little bit slow on things, had no idea how good Fort Devon was. But all you had to do is show up and look at him, and you figured that the horse had a chance of having some talent. And he certainly did have talent. And he was a great jumper. The only thing that was a little bit of a problem is a little bit difficult in the stall. I have a scar on my arm where he bit me one time. He lifted me up off the ground. And it's wow. pretty difficult to lift me up off the ground. And, and Particularly uh, but, nowadays. But... Uh, <laughs> Once, once he, once he left the paddock, he was, he was a sweetheart. I mean, he didn't pull. He was always on the bridle. Brilliant jumper. Just a lot of fun to ride. Something that you dream about having the opportunity to ride. And Patty, you did a lot of the early work with him. Oh, uh, with him, yeah, because yeah. he was quite a rogue when Betty got him over here. He wouldn't leave the barn, and then he wouldn't leave go down the driveway. There was a lot of stuff we had to just kind of knock him around a little bit to get him to pay attention. But once we got past that, he was great. I mean, I rode him at Hunter Trials. He won ribbons at Far Hills, and he was a really good horse. Wow. Great. Very impressive. Beautiful big chestnut. And Betty Bird always groomed her horses, and they were turned out just beautifully. Right. And he had this copper sheen to his great coat. I mean, he... He looked like a Munnings print every time he ever did anything. Great horse. Wow. Great Maryland Cup horse. 
Yeah, and he <laughs> won the Hunt Cup in 76. First round in 75 and was second to Jacko. Uh, that was a little bit of rider error. Uh, and also, Charlie continues to remind me that the Margaret Worrell's Ronald Hunt Cup book reports that the horse was required to carry 167 pounds rather than 165 pounds. And he continues to insist that that made a difference. But whether it did or didn't, he was able to overcome that and ran again in 1976. If he had won in 1975, he would have gone to England then as he did after he won in 1976. And I probably would never had a chance to ride him again. So it was I was very fortunate that he didn't win in 75 and stayed over for a year. And I was able to ride him for another year, which was which was great Yeah, because he ended up timber champion twice, which most Maryland Hunt Cup winners nowadays don't run enough to do that. You know, so that that's fair play to him because he went other places and won. He had a lot of ability that a lot of Maryland Hunt Cup winners don't have in that he was a pretty fast horse, and he stayed. I mean, he really would stay, and he, he was pretty tough on any race course he would happen to be on. What was Betty Bird like to ride for? Did you get many instructions? Did well, you she, get, you know? <laughs> she was great. One thing that you never have to worry about riding for Betty is once you had her instructions, it didn't really make any difference what you did because she'd instructed you to do that. I always think about in the Far Hill paddock when Patty was riding a horse at Betty train called Atrevito, and I was riding Fort Devon, and we had pretty much decided that Fort Devon was the better horse, but Atrevito was a very fast horse, so he was going to be pretty close to the lead. And so we had decided that when you went around the final turn or the next last turn at Far Hills, that Patty was going to be on the inside and Tony McKnight was riding another horse that was particularly competitive. Still in all, I was going to yell to Patty and Patty was going to move over and I was going to slip through on the inside. So very seldom this ever happens, but everything turned out exactly as we had projected and we reached that term, and I yelled up to Patty, Patty, here I am. And he moved a little bit closer to the rail. I said, Patty, here I am. <laughs> and then I entered into some of my vocabulary in order to uh, express to Patty the importance of his moving over. And ultimately, he did, because he was scared of what Betty would say if she found out that he had not complied with was my request. Was that the year that you stepped in the woodchuck hole up no, there? No, that was, that, was, that, was that was the next year that I did that. <laughs> that was the uh, big year, yeah. <laughs> Charlie was the beneficiary of that, and that was 70. That was the day my son was born, yeah. So when was that, 1974? 74, 75. Be that as it may. Far Hills race meeting, Charlie's riding Dosty, and Fort Devon is a heavy favorite. I show up to ride Fort Devon and don't have time to walk the course, and there is a disturbance in the ground that I see just after the start of the race, and I say, well, I'm going to go over that disturbance in the ground because that's the inside and that'll get me set up for the next fence. And and so I went over the disturbance in the ground after the start and, and the horse kind of bobbled. And uh, next time around, I go over the disturbance in the ground and unbeknownst to me, it was a woodchuck hole, which was right in the middle. Fort Devon steps in the woodchuck hole and falls on the flat. <laughs> and so Charlie is the beneficiary of that. And, and so I think that was for Dossie's first win that day, and so I guess we could attribute that to rider error. <laughs> no, come on, course maintenance error. You know, you got to blame somebody or woodchuck. Woodchuck could have dug that hole anywhere. Yeah, pick there, right? Could have done it right <laughs> after they started <laughs> the, the race. Highlight right? of, the, of that whole story, in my opinion, was Buzzy's wife was about ready to give birth to Richard Pensmith Hannum Jr. So Buzzy gets home, and Molly says to him, "Well, how'd you make out?" And Buzzy said. My horse stepped in a woodchuck hole and he fell. And Molly says, good, I'm glad he fell. <laughs>
the story is a little bit more involved. I, 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 I won't, always, I, yeah. I won't uh, go into the <laughs> specifics, but it is one that I will not forget. Anyway. Right. Well, that's good. Yeah, you know, you got to keep it going. It's all family stuff. But again, uh, we're going to rewind to Fort Devon when he wins the Maryland Hunt Cup in 76, wins by himself at 25 lengths. And right. it must have been, I mean, that's got to be, the horse is a thrill to ride, but to do it on that course, that kind of performance, I mean, was it flawless? Did he do, Was there anything that went wrong? Well, I would say it was flawless. With all due respect to the competition, it was not the most difficult group that he had ever run against. But he was never under any pressure and was able to have it his own way and won very easily. I have a little story about that that uh, involves Patty. The next day after the race, we go to Jay Griswold's house for breakfast. and Champagne breakfast. Champagne breakfast. And, And Patty has secured a ride from Betty Bird at the next day's point-to-point. We're having so much fun, and everybody is very interested in the story that I'm telling about my experience on the Maryland Hunt Cup course that day. So Patty is finding it very difficult to leave, and ultimately he says, i got to get out of here because i got to get on this horse. And so he gets out of there, and my wife and I drive up to see the race, and we're, we're driving up near Radnor. And we turn around, we see Patty coming back going the other way. And I say, uh, how'd you make out? And he said, I didn't make it in time. And Betty, who really would enjoy both victories and defeats. I mean, she was an extremely good sport. But if a horse won the Maryland Hunt Cup, it would be likely that Betty might celebrate. And I'm pretty sure, and I think I saw her celebrating quite a bit that night. So the next morning, it may not have been as easy to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning as she was used to. And when this little snot-nosed kid failed to show up to ride her horse, uh, I think she may have been somewhat irritated. And in fact, she told me that she was irritated. And Patty, I think, as he was wanting to do, delivered a dozen flowers the next day. Yes, it didn't make any difference at all. (laughs) (laughs) She was still irritated. God. All right, so we've been through Morning Mac and uh, Fort Devon. Patty, your three wins, half a day in 68, Burn Mac in 74, and then nice long gap to Uncle Merlin in 1989. You're spanning the decades there. We did this podcast with Jonathan Shepard not that long ago, and he talked about half a day, and, and he sounded like, well, maybe not Fort Devon caliber. That was a pretty nice timber horse. I mean, he was a serious, oh, serious yeah, horse was, to get on the Maryland Hunt Cup. He was a good horse. He won, I think he won 13 recognized races. I mean, he had a good career. But, you know, at that time in 1968, I didn't realize really how much Jonathan's training had to do with that win. But Jonathan presented that horse. He was a little bit of a thing like uh, Tiger Roll. I mean, he's barely 15-3. And Jonathan produced that horse ready to run the race of his life for five or six years, but particularly the Maryland Hunt Cup. And that day he won. We were lucky. Uh, Mountain Dew got hurt that day. But he jumped bar the third fence. He jumped absolutely. And he was just fooled a little bit by the height of the third fence. He jumped the rest of the course great. And the year before, 1967, I'd had a hard fall at the 20th fence off of Sir George and broke my jaw and knocked out eight teeth. So to come back and win the Hunt Cup on half a day, you know, the next year, it, uh, it moved me. I mean, I was really kind of overcome with the emotion of it all. But that was a fabulous win, really. Burn Mac, I thought he was the best horse in the race. 
and he'd won the Grand National the week before. So his win didn't, hindsight being twenty twenty, it was pretty easy. The Merrill Hunt never looks easy when you're down at the start. And then Uncle Merlin in 89, I think we were lucky. He jumped the course very well, and as I have said, that, that wasn't luck because he was a great jumper, but, you know, the right horses fell. Yeah, that was crazy made, weather day, right? Like yeah, very the weather, yeah. it, got, it started to rain about 3 o'clock, and the ground went from, we didn't have quite enough rain to make it anything other than just slippery. And uh, there were horses slipping and falling and everything, and he handled all that. But it was fortuitous. He was a nice horse. It was fortunate that horses fell, but it was also interesting that there was a lot of carnage early on in the race that resulted in Billy Meister parting—well, at the end, but Billy Meister parted ways with Freeman Sale at the first fence, and he subsequently— was Patty's strongest competition at the end. I rode a horse called Bally Brunogue for the Griswolds, who was a really nice horse, and he had an absolutely perfect trip and was leading over the last fence, or leading up to the last fence, and unfortunately fell at the last fence. I continue to believe that he would have been successful if he had not fallen at the last fence, but I suspect we might have some disagreement on that. <laughs> but uh, it, it is what it is. The last fence uh, is there for a reason, but, too. But you anyway, it, it, there was a lot of carnage in that race, and there, there was a horse uh, who Patty used to train named Ta- Talon, who was kind of all over the course and knocked down— Von Zadig. Yeah, Von Zadig, yeah. yeah. And so that was a really good—it projected to be a really good race. And unfortunately, as happens in the Maryland Hunt Cup, often you can't predict what's going to happen. Right. But like I said, we—Uncle Merlin, it wasn't luck that he was—he jumped the course. Yeah, 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 exactly. But we were he able to— He might not to, have been the fastest, but he was, he was, he was able to we jump We were able to everybody. feast on others' misfortune. That's okay, which is part of it. In game. other words, it's like Dan Lufkin wrote about salmon fishing— to succeed is not enough. Others must fail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he went. He went over the. To, he he went to England and did. Well, did. he went to Aintree, and I mean, he won a race over there. Won a good race at Wind Canton. I think I rode him over there three times. He was second, fourth, and his first time he ran, he was like sixth. But he was in front, jumping the jumping uh, Beechers the second time in the race that Mister Frisk, who belongs to Mrs. Duffy, ridden by. Marcus Armitage trained by Kim Bailey, and Uncle Merle was in front with his ears pricked, jumping uh, Aintree the second time, and he just bobbled and shook Hugh Davies off. But there are people over there that think he would have won. I'm not sure he was good enough to win because it was a very good race. Yeah. It was a course record. Yeah. I don't no, think he who was knows. That... I mean, again, it's in a, to me. I, I love it when. But he, I will guarantee you, have been in the third, first three. I love it when the Hunt Cup or any of our races confirm horses like that. I mean, when Fort Devon, when Ben Nevis, Jay Trump, Uncle Merle, and any of those horses that go prove that it's not a, this isn't just a fluke over here when they can go over there and do well, you know? And, you know, one of the things that you've got to accept if you're going to go over there with any idea to succeed is you've got to turn the horse over and let them prepare the horse. You know, the one that's on the horizon right now in our country would be Senior Senator. He is a very, very good horse, no question about it. If he goes, uh, we'll be curious to see if we can. We did it in the 70s, 60s, 70s, good effort in the 80s, the start of the 90s. If he can go over there 20 years later and pull a rabbit out of the hat, it would be great. Yeah, 
for we'd sure. all be cheering for him. Yeah, and you won two hunt cups for other trainers, and then you trained Uncle Merlin. Was that more more difficult? Obviously, it's a little more work, but is it more difficult being a trainer rider, or is it easier just to show up as the rider? No, I mean, being a trainer rider is a piece of cake, really. <laughs> and the reason is, I mean, there are other trainer riders that have won the Merlin Hunt Cup, but if you're just training the horse, you give the rider a leg up and you're done. There's nothing you can do. But if you get a leg up yourself and you're training the horse, at least you got something to do for the next eight or nine minutes. Rather <laughs> <laughs> than sit there. Other than worry. Yeah, other than worry. Well, and again, either one of you can jump in. I mean, to somebody who either isn't as well-versed in it or hasn't seen it, what's what makes the Maryland Cup? We're, we're at 125 years from since the first one, and uh, it is still just sought after and that special of an event. Why? I mean, a lot of, a lot of things don't last that long. Well, Maryland Hunt Cup is a unique test of a horse, and it's amazing how easy it is for a good horse and how difficult it is for a horse who is not suited to the Maryland Hunt Cup. And you really can't tell before you present them to the third fence. A Morning Mac, who was a really good jumper, the first time he saw the third fence, I believe that he could not believe how big it was. <laughs> And so he didn't jump high enough, and he pecked on landing. Fortunately, he was able to regain and keep going and ultimately ended up winning the race as a result of the fact that Patty was unable to stay on. But uh, he uh, got a brilliant ride, too. Brilliant. I mean, (laughs) Jesus. But uh, Smithwick, Tommy Smith. It's, it's, you know, strange things happen at the Maryland Hunt Cup, and and you can't predict what's going to happen. And the fact that a horse wins the Maryland Hunt Cup doesn't necessarily mean that he is going to be a candidate for the Grand National because a lot of horses win the Maryland Hunt Cup that are not the best horse, but they have won the Maryland Hunt Cup, and that is something that cannot be taken away from them. For sure. Yeah, I would say the conception of the Maryland Hunt Cup by those group of young Baltimoreans in 1878 or whenever they started it. 1890, 1894, 1894, I think. 1894. They conceived it as a supreme test of fox hunting. And the country those boys crossed back in the day, fox hunting could be pretty, you know, there was a lot of livestock and there were a lot of big airy post and rail fences. You see these old time pictures of these guys. So the conception was we will test our best fox hunters. And it has managed, the Maryland Hunt Cup has managed over the last 125 years to connect fox hunting with racing. And to that extent, I mean, there's a lot of high-quality horses running the Maryland Hunt Cup. For the most part, they either have hunted or they're ridden by people that have hunted or trained by people that have hunted. I think that that is one of the reasons why it's as special as it is. It has, you know, a tremendous appeal to the fox hunting public in the United States, all over the world, really. Yeah, I mean, there's still that connection to it. I go back to, I mean, in other sports, to me, the only thing that is close is the Stanley Cup. You see old pictures of those old hockey things, you know, and, and it's, right. it's obvious the game has changed a lot since yeah. then, and so so is the Maryland Hunt Cup, but it's the same. You can draw a line. It's still the same idea, and it's right. the same challenge. Right. That's what makes it special to me when you're trying it, when, when you can do that, when you can trace it back that far. Really I agree. Matters. Yeah, yeah I would analogize it to the Kentucky Derby also, and it is the Kentucky Derby for people who are – interested in that game is the ultimate objective for 
the Maryland Hunt Cup is the ultimate objective for people that are interested in that. And I'm just thinking I had the uh, opportunity to go see Roy Chapman sometime a couple of years ago. Patty went with me, and he had on his mantelpiece a Kentucky Derby trophy, a Maryland Hunt Cup trophy, and a Preakness trophy, which I don't think too many people have. The Maryland Hunt Cup is truly one of the world's great horse races. At home, in a conversation with the Kentucky Derby and other greats, Roy Chapman and his wife Pat did indeed win both, a Hunt Cup with Uncle Merlin in 1989 and a Derby with Smarty Jones in 2004. Paul Mellon turned that rare double too, winning a Hunt Cup with Wellborn Jake in 1937 and a Derby with Sea Hero in 1993. Uh, in inventory. Paul Mellon, he's got a Maryland Hunt, had a Maryland Hunt Cup trophy and Wellborn Jake 1937 and Smarty Jones, Kentucky Derby, 19. Yeah, Mr. Chapman was Uncle Merlin and Smarty Jones, which yeah. again, is a, uh, and uh, Mellon was... Yeah, it was Wellborn Jake and Sea Hero. Sea Hero. Sea Hero, yes. yeah. yeah. And who won the Preakness? Sea Hero? I don't know. Oh, yeah, he might Yeah, Mellon won an English, English Grand, Grand National. National too, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, there are, and it is, anybody would, thoroughbred racing, the Derby resonates, and the fact that a guy who won the Derby like Roy Chapman with Smarty Jones would then put the Maryland Hunt Cup trophy next to it. You know, right. that's I mean, even if you wouldn't have to know anything other than to see that, go, okay, I get it. You know, right. It's that important. And it's certainly worth a little more money now and uh, those kinds of things. But I think it um, it still holds that same lore or else it wouldn't it wouldn't last. And I think the um, we hear a lot about the various ebbs and flows of popularity in jump racing, but the Maryland Hunt Cup's popularity doesn't seem to change. I mean, right. it's, people right. pursue it, you know. Uh, the beginning, everybody was an amateur, but the Maryland Hunt Cup is still restricted to amateur riders. It's obviously right. changed somewhat where you've got people who make a living in horses that ride in the Maryland Hunt Cup that might not be professional jockeys. But does that, from your guys, you know, from your perspective, in it as long as you have, do, do you see that continuing? Do you think it's changed? Do you think it's a good thing, a positive for the race? Or, or what does it mean for the future of the race? I mean, my feelings about the amateur professional thing have ebbed and flowed over the years. But the Maryland Hunt Cup has been around as is for 125 years, which is a testament to the fact that they have been unwilling to cave to professionalism. And not to say that a professional, the professionals couldn't enjoy riding in the Maryland Hunt Cup, that it would lose its luster. I'm not sure that it would lose its luster. But I do think the fact that it is the blue ribbon of amateur accomplishment, it's a little bit like the fox hunters at Aintree or the fox hunters at Cheltenham. You know, these races have been running for centuries under more or less the same conditions. And the reason that the amateur professional discussion comes up is that people have tried to legislate ability. Ability is almost impossible to legislate. There are going to be amateurs who are better than other amateurs. There are going to be amateurs that are better professionals and some professionals that are better than the amateurs. But the bottom line is, if you hold an amateur license on either side of the Atlantic, anywhere, France, England, the United States, anywhere that they have licensed amateurs, you know, they can come over and have a go and you know, when Gonzo, the French guy, won the Maryland Hunt Cup. yeah. Yeah, Gonzac Coutreau was, uh, he was a national hero in steeplechasing in France. Yeah, and it is he, a path like that for some crossover, for sure. That wouldn't yeah. necessarily be there otherwise. Yeah. 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 So I think that, as I said, I've been on wishy-washy and on both sides of the fence and vacillating. But at this stage, they've been doing it for 125 years. Their way, and it seems to have survived. 
Yeah. I've listened to the argument on this for... 70 years. 70 years. <laughs> My mother was a prime advocate of not being discriminatory so far as riders in the Maryland Hunt Cup are concerned. So being a well-brought-up son, I agree with her. And it's my belief that to open up the race to any jockey who is qualified to ride would make the Maryland Hunt Cup, would avoid the current cheapening of the accomplishment by not allowing qualified riders to ride. It is my impression, and I'm not going to name names, that back into the 50s, people were paid to ride horses in the Maryland Hunt Cup. People who were successful in the Maryland Hunt Cup, as a result of their success, were paid to ride horses in the Maryland Hunt Cup. It is also my belief that that practice continues to exist and is inconsistent with the suggestion that you have to be an amateur to ride in the Maryland Hunt Cup. And I think at one point, it kind of made a difference who your parents were. I don't think it makes a difference anymore. But I think why not completely remove the restrictions? It was my belief when I rode that it would not have made any difference because there were a lot of guys that rode with me who were in this room who rode every bit as well, perhaps better over the Maryland Hunt Cup course than any professional would. And so, anyway, that's a different view on the issue. Yeah, no, it's tricky because it's, for whatever reason, there's this legacy to uphold, and changing it in writing seems like counter to what they thought of when they first started it, but then you sort of have this backside of, well, are some people less Actually, amateur you know, than other people? Really, and, the, and you want to take care of the Hunt race. The Cup but, committee has been extraordinarily flexible when it comes to letting, quote, professionals ride because there have been a number of professionals that if they sit out a couple of years can ride. I mean, really to watch Blythe Milliger run the Maryland Hunt Cup on private attack was literally watching a man in against boys. I mean, no, it's not meant to be a gender. I mean, she is so good. And that horse was a perfection jumper that, I mean, she just did that easy. That was a pleasure to watch. But she got had gotten her amateur license back, which you can also do to a certain extent in England and Ireland. You can get your amateur standing back. How about people who are currently accepting money for riding horses in races? Uh, what do you think about their eligibility to ride? Well, in, in Ireland, America? it's very it's very different in Ireland. I know is. No, I'm asking you. you what's your answer to the question? <laughs> Well, people are getting paid. Well, I got rich. I mean, I know that. <laughs> you couldn't have paid me to ride in it. I don't yeah. care what you're saying. But, but uh, anyway, I mean, so uh, don't, don't, don't you think that, that that's inconsistent Poor with the— Nick, with, uh, We're both talking Arundel. the same time. Is that okay? Sure. Don't, don't you think Nick that's— Nick Arundel ended up in a poorhouse after he got through public. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. uh, but, but, oh, no. but, Governor, Governor, we're, for, we're a minute, made a for a minute, let me pin you down if I could. I, I recognize you're kind of slippery, slippery. Uh, and it's, down, yes. it's tough to do. But uh, don't you think it's a little bit inconsistent with the requirement that a person be an amateur to ride in the Maryland Hunt Cup, that someone would be paid to ride in the Maryland Hunt Cup? Well, I don't know whether they get paid a fee, but I think they probably get presents. 
I call it presence. So is, there, is that consistent or inconsistent? No, I think that's perfectly acceptable. Presence. Oh. Gas money. Seems inconsistent to me. But it seems expense. inconsistent to me also. <laughs> expense money. <laughs> but anyway. But who's to say it, back in 1894 it, it, that one of those guys didn't get and, expense and, money? And, I don't know. Oh, well, now, no. wait a second. You know, Charlie White and all those boys that were riding back in the day, Noel Lang, Carol Bassett, they were all getting either paid directly or indirect. W.B. Cox. It's going to be the uh, Maryland Hunt Cup lightning bolt's going to come down through is, this roof Which is in inconsistent <laughs> with there being an amateur. Well, I mean, some people are more amateur, you know, than some people are. We said at the beginning, more, this is difficult to legislate. There's right, probably no yeah, clear definition. People, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Also, there, sure was, there, was a, there was a fair amount of flexibility back in the 70s when Kathy Kuzner indicated that she'd like to ride in Maryland Hunt Cup. And there's nobody more qualified to ride in Maryland Hunt Cup than Kathy Kuzner. And it was sort of an unheard of thing that someone who happened to be a female would ride in the Maryland Hunt Cup. And I think that it may well have been that it were gentleman jockeys were the people that were permitted to ride. And a change was made so far as that's concerned, which I think we all would agree has benefited the Maryland Hunt Cup. So I don't see well, why. Was, a, excuse me, Governor. She excuse, was, she was getting big money. Excuse me for a minute. I have the floor. We've entered the great debate. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. No, but, well, regardless, it is a fascinating discussion because it, there, there is this, for whatever reason, it was made an amateur race right. whenever. I'm assuming back in the beginning it said that at some point. And um, to then be the caretaker of the race while everything around it changes. It now has prize money. You now have horses specific to it. It's no longer racing over real hunting country. I mean, they're kind of – it's a set course. It's been a set course for decades. So a lot's changed, and maybe that is – I don't know. Maybe that is something that changes at some point. I don't know. I, Joe, I do you know whether the initial conditions were gentleman jockeys? After Kathy Kuzner. Right. They did make it gentlemen right. from 72 to 79, where then they opened it back up again, which like I think was even crazier to, to go yeah. backwards at that point, but whatever. <laughs> well, uh, there doesn't happen to be a good reason <laughs> for something that would be done down in Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of things are done down there. Don't make any sense. <laughs> this, this, this podcast could last for days. I love it. <laughs> um, we're going to bring it back around a little bit. So we are uh, you know, weeks away from senior senator trying to become a three-time round Hunt Cup winner. Can you compare him to some of the guys you guys have seen over the years? I mean, you know, where would senior senator and Fort Devon stack up or half a day or any of the, any of the others you've seen over the years? I, I would think the most appropriate comparison would be to Ben Nevis because it seems to me that they were similar type animals both of them a little bit unrestrained and needed to be assisted in directing their talents in the appropriate direction. To compare them to Fort Devon, I wouldn't think that that would really be appropriate because Fort Devon on a race course was as well behaved as any horse I've ever ridden. And so I don't think that that would be a comparison. And at half a day, I really don't have much information on that. Yeah, I mean, half a day, I'm not sure he was as good as senior senator. He was a very good horse, but I think senior senator may be something special. And I think this style, his running style, and particularly the way he jumps, puts me in mind of Ben Nevis. Same, I mean, Ben Nevis used to go around the Maryland Hunt Cup course literally, easily, just flying up. Senior senator, I think, really goes the same way. He didn't jump the third very well year before last, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure that was his... <laughs> 
all his fault. <laughs> but again, I th- but but it is part of the learning process for some of those horses. I mean, he he didn't do as much racing, you wouldn't say, coming in at other places, and no. and to then he won the Maryland Hunt Cup in what was a fluke or a surprise. Then falls, then comes back last year and ran as polished right, as you could possibly race. do it. You know, so yeah. to come back and do it the third time is where you know Kenny makes we'll just some have history. to see. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah. You can't really compare the two, but to me, the among the very, very best Maryland Hunt Cup horses was Jay Trump, who won the Maryland Hunt Cup in '63 and '4, and won the English Grand National in '65, and comes back and wins the Maryland Hunt Cup in 1966. Yeah, that's, that's pretty special. Yeah, well, I don't think that's ever <laughs> happening again. <laughs> there was one horse in the world who could do that. I think. Yeah. When it comes around to me, that's when you have a horse like Senior Senator, and I'm sure it was the same way with some of the others. When they're coming back to try to win it a third time, nobody's ever won it four, and there's only been eight win it three, and you know you start to okay, this is we we really could be watching history, uh, you know. And as much as every Maryland Hunt Cup seems a little like history, these times seem that much better or different jay trump did it with three different trainers yeah no and and to go to england and come back and do it again would be that that's yeah. phenomenal to me yeah versus mountain dew who was a, as was uh, another was a all-time horse. great yeah right yeah it was a wonderful horse very unfortunate to have run into jay trump who just happened to be a little bit better yeah. than he was but no he won three and would have won, well, he won six, six without jay na- trump <laughs> but he won six grand nationals yeah yeah you know he could always not always but he mostly beat jay Trump around the Grand National course more often than Jay Trump beat him. Beautifully bred horse, great jumper. I mean, you talk about, you know, Murderer's Row, the 1927 Yankees. That was the 1927 Yankees. <laughs> Mid-60s you know, Maryland Hunt Cup, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jay Trump and Mountain Dew. I mean, now, those two yeah, the, yeah. all-time greats. And they would have stood about, up in any any era. Yeah. Oh, yeah, any. Yeah, any. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jay Trump held a course record for a while and— He's just a wonderful horse. Earlier, we had talked about identifying Maryland Hunt Cup horses, and I, it just occurred to me one of the horses that I had had particularly enjoyable time on in the Maryland Hunt Cup, who was trained by Patty and Charlie, also rode with Sam Son of a Gun, and he would not have been a horse that you would have identified as a Maryland Hunt Cup candidate. He was fast and he was a good jumper, but he was moody, and <laughs> if it wasn't his day, forget it. Merlin Huncup would give a horse a lot of excuses to say, this isn't my day. But in 1983, he ran a very good race. He thought that he was the best horse, and he was going to show Can Cottage that he was the best horse. And unfortunately, he was not successful, but he tried. And then in 1984, the field, in my view, was not as impressive, but he came up with the idea that I'm not the best horse. And so forget <laughs> it. And he finished fourth or something like that. So, it, it, you know... Identifying a Maryland Hunt Cup horse isn't the easiest thing to do. Yeah, yeah, and you touched on it a little. There, there's obviously physical gifts a horse needs. What's a, what does a horse need mentally to run in the Maryland Hunt Cup successfully? They got to be very brave. That's the biggest thing. And at the same time, they got to be careful. And being brave and careful at the same time is a lot of times, with particularly with horses, maybe even with people. That's a combination you don't see every all the time. As my father always used to say, they're old pilots and they're bold pilots, but they're no <laughs> old, bold pilots. And I think that's really true of the Maryland Hunt Cup horses, that they've got to be very careful. So what would you think of, of Sam versus the Maryland Hunt Cup? Well, I think he ran well, but I, I, I never thought that Sam was 
He was a great horse around the manor. He won the manor four years in a row with three different riders. But I would agree with you that he kind of outran his pedigree in the Maryland Hot Cup. One time. Yeah, one time. Right. And the other uh, two times he But you, you would not— Toinette rode him once and he fell. Absent the Lanahan's interest in that particular race, you would not have identified Sam as a candidate, I wouldn't have thought. No. Right. And we shouldn't have run him in the Maryland Hot Cup, but he won a lot of races. Oh, yeah. No, he, he earned his the way gold. there like anybody else did. He won the, the Gold yeah. Cup. Yeah. But he, yeah. Pennsylvania, huh? Pennsylvania Hunt Cup. Yeah. He won the Pennsylvania Hunt Cup, yeah. But yeah. do you think the two are comparable? No. Because I don't. No, but it is a stepping stone, isn't it? I mean, if you've got a horse, if he jumps around around Hunt Cup, it at least, I mean, the Pennsylvania Hunt Cup, it at least gives well, you got a chance. inclination that he and might want to do right. It. You never know. I mean, we've found that the hard way a number of times. You never know how they're going to handle that course until they actually see how big the fences are. Because yeah, there's nothing like it. No matter there's what we say. Like yeah, there are other four mile races. There, are, you know, but there's no, there's nothing like that. No, I don't think there's anything that's comparable to the Maryland Hunt Cup. I mean, I have not ridden in England or anything like that. There may be something over there, but, but not here, yeah. not that I've seen. Well, one of a kind for sure. All right. Well, uh, we could again, we could do this all day. But uh, thank you for this and a little history lesson, a little some fun, and hopefully we um, give some people something to think about when they're watching Senior Senator go for it this year. Right. Thank you. So you're Thanks, obviously going to edit all the things that Buzzy said. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. All, all Bra- rubbish. Brilliant cross-examination. Yeah, you're exactly. Slippery yes. witness. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Jumping Around, where we look at some Maryland Hunt Cup history with former riders Buzz Hannum and Patty Nelson. This year's race, celebrating its 125th anniversary, is April 27th in Glendon, just outside Baltimore. You can learn more at MarylandHuntCup.com. Jumping Around is a production of ThisIsHorseRacing.com. Special thanks to our sponsor, Brown Advisory, sound engineer Adam Wolf at Howling Wolf Recording Studios in Baltimore, and once again, the Temple Guathami Steeplechase Foundation for its support. You can find more podcasts like this at ThisIsHorseRacing.com or by searching for This Is Horse Racing on your podcast app. <laughs>